does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Earlier on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. <laughs> I legit, Mark, I have not seen KB this happy I, in three days. I, honestly, June 12th, Rosie, September 9th, Max. This is it. Know, fe- February 16th. You are Maddie smiling. I am smitten right now. Ear, I'm smiling. Ear to ear. I love our next guest. He's Pete, he is Pete Sampson from The Athletic. Uh, when we've had Pete on before, I've <laughs> introduced him in the same way. Pete, I'm a very unapologetic. I'm actually one of the few bigger Notre Dame basketball fans than Notre Dame football fans, but I am giddy for Saturday afternoon. I'm going to guess, Pete, that, I don't know, you might be giddy for some whiskey and some Guinness in Dublin. Is that going to be on the agenda for you? It is. It is on the agenda. Um, yeah, I fly over overnight tonight, so it uh, it's going to be a whirlwind about 72 hours over there. Um, see Notre Dame kick it off, and uh, man, it's... Uh, for how, how interesting last season was, because it was year one of Marcus Freeman, I feel like there's so much more to talk about with Notre Dame uh, because of the quarterback position this time around. Yes, and I do want to get there. Pete, I, I said this to Andy, my co-host here, in the opening segment. My son, Max, was born on September 9th last year. The first sporting event we watched together was the Marshall game. I thought to myself, <laughs> is there any way we could maybe get him back into the womb for another week here? Uh, although the Stanford game a few weeks later wouldn't have been great. But there were some moments last season. You brought up Sam Hartman or the quarterback situation. It's the best I've felt about the quarterback situation in South Bend in quite some time. How far back should I go back in terms of Notre Dame fans being optimistic about what they've got at quarterback? More than 10 years. I mean, it, it's wow. pre-Brian Kelly. Like, it, uh, I think that you could make an argument like Jimmy Clausen's junior year was sort of underrated because the team was bad. Uh, he was amazing. Um, but if you're looking for what Notre Dame hopes it's going to look like, it's going to be a little bit more like Brady Quinn where you've got a great quarterback kind of and a really, really good team to go with him. So it... Um, we're, we're pushing the Charlie Weiss era. Like, Brian Kelly has left the building in terms of, like, this is the best Notre Dame quarterback situation since when. Pete, I am the uh, the third wheel here. Uh, you guys are you guys are on a Notre Dame football date right now. To and be I, fair, and it's I'm kind just of a, a one-sided <laughs> relationship. Pete doesn't know me. I'm just infatuated <laughs> okay, with Pete's th- coverage. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. I didn't yeah. know that. I thought you guys no, had had... No. You know, Let you me be clear. I'm a creepy fan. Okay, yeah. you, I thought you met in a press box no, or something I, I like that. I screamed at him at a tailgate once, okay. and he, he, understandably, <laughs> he just kept walking. Uh, a couple things for me, Pete. I appreciate you joining us here on this Wednesday on The Fan. Um, you know, following the ACC... And I used to cover the ACC quite a bit. Sam Hartman, we know the offense that he ran at Wake Forest. So I'm super uh, interested in how the Clawson offense is going to look um, or not look. So Sam Hartman, how you know how big of a difference do you think his game will look not having to wait at the line of scrimmage? Or will they uh, incorporate some of those Wake Forest things for his final season? I don't think there's going to be slow mesh the way Wake Forest ran it, but uh, you know it's like it's an RPO concept um, that's not going to go away. But it's going to be, I, I think, a much more quick hitting than what Wake Forest was trying to run. And I mean, like Wake Forest was trying to accommodate for personnel; they didn't have two first-round picks at offensive tackle. You know, Blake Fisher from your area down there is one of them. Um, they didn't have Audrick Estime 
you know, a 230-pound running back um, who could just, like, blow by you or run over you. So it's um, – I just think the material up here is different, and, like, they really maximize Sam Hartman down there, not just because of Sam Hartman, but because of what they maybe didn't have at the other position. So, yeah, you'll see some RPO stuff, but it's not going to look the way that it looked at Wake Forest. And that, that's been an adjustment for Hartman up here, but um, – I think about midway through spring practice, he kind of figured it out, and it's just been um, it's been a steady rise upward since. Yeah, Blake Fisher, the Avon product, Jack Kaiser, former Mister Football, two critical mm-hmm. pieces to Notre Dame this season. Again, Pete Sampson from the Athletic joins us. It'll be Notre Dame and Navy this Saturday from Dublin in Week Zero as the Irish get their season underway. Uh, Pete, I know you're a beer guy. If I gave you Ooh. Guinness on tap free for the rest of your life, but you have to answer this question correctly, let me know where you would go. Home to Ohio State, home to USC at Clemson. The three top ten games on the schedule for Notre Dame this season. The over-under of Notre Dame wins is one and a half. Where do you go? I'm under on that one. I think they'll get one of them. Um, I don't think they'll get two, and I think it'll be either Ohio State or USC, but I, I think they will get one of those two. And if they get two, playoff bound, you would think? Uh, probably so. Um, I mean, 11-1, I guess. Let's just play out the hypothetical. They have. I know yeah. the ACC has some you know, roadblocks, but Notre Dame has dominated the ACC since they've joined, and I say joined, obviously, in quotes, since they joined that, that, that conference. But do you think 11-1 would be enough? It's it, you know you're on the cut line at eleven and one because it's like Notre Dame almost went eleven and one in 2015 and I think they would have finished fifth. Um, they end up losing to Stanford at the end of the year, kind of a moot point. But um, you know at, at that point you're if you're eleven and one in the current format you've sort of left yourself up for discussion, but you you haven't automatically played your way in. So I, I wouldn't say that are in at eleven and one. They would have a really strong case because they'd have probably a win over the Big Ten champ, maybe a win over the Pac-12 champ or the ACC champ, two of the three. That would be pretty impressive. Uh, KB, you don't think you don't think they're going eleven to one, do you? Uh, I don't know if I'm there, but <laughs> okay. I am again. And I don't. You're high on this team. I am, and I'm. Pete, I'm sorry, not, I had to call him. I'm on not it. this yeah. optimistic. And, and I, I don't know, Andy. Do you care if I sneak in another one? Yeah, Pete, go ahead. Is wide out the position group that ha- I guess wide out and D line are those the two position groups that have to overachieve, if you will, for this team to be one of the final four? Because I feel pretty good about I think the other spots on the roster. And again, quarterback is one I haven't felt good about. In quite some time yeah it is i would even narrow the defensive line to just defensive end um okay. I, I think it's defensive tackle they're they're solid that that's been one maybe the most surprising position during training camp to me about like oh they actually have four guys that can play and i thought maybe they had one and a half so they're good there um but defensive end man you get it's third and eight and you gotta have somebody just beats beat an offensive tackle off the edge. I'm not sure that they have a guy who can consistently do that. So that is that's a huge concern to me. Receiver, I feel like they will eventually be okay. Um, it's can they be okay by Ohio State in the fifth game of the year? Um, that's that that position is going to need some in season growth. And like they've got good material there, hasn't really flashed as much as it needed to during training camp to feel great on week one or week zero as it was, but. Um, I think they've got enough guys that eventually receiver will will turn it around and Sam Hartman will sort of force that issue. But to me, it's still, do you have a dude 
off the edge at defensive end, and I'm I'm just not sure that they do. Pete Sampson with us from The Athletic covers Notre Dame. It's going to be a nice overnight flight, but on the other end will be uh, all the uh, all the Irish whiskey and all the Guinness that you'll want to drink. Now, you mentioned uh, you guys have talked about Clemson, and I can talk about the relationship there with Notre Dame and the ACC. Let's move Clemson out of it, Pete. Um, who else would be a tricky game, a potential stumbling block in the ACC at Notre Dame at Louisville wake at the end of the year which game worries you or should worry Notre Dame the most you know at NC State is the obvious one um, you know third game of the year noon uh, kickoff so I think that you know maybe breaks Notre Dame's way a little bit going on to Raleigh for that one so that's that's tricky because I think NC State is just good but it's sort of one of those where like you know NC State is good, and like it's not a trap game if you identify it as a trap game beforehand. Right, so right. The, the two that are tricky to me, because they shouldn't be, but they probably will, is at Duke the week after Ohio State, and then you for some reason Notre Dame against Pittsburgh has always just been like this uh, nails-on-a-chalkboard game for Notre Dame, and I that one is it's in South Bend. Um, I you know, believe it's right after, or right before, right after USC. Um, it just is like, it's kind of one of those games where like on paper, like, all right, Notre Dame should win by, you know, 13 points, but it's in the fourth quarter and you're down three and you're wondering what the heck's going on. So it's the, the Duke and Pittsburgh games are the ones that like worry me maybe a little bit more than NC state. Like if Notre Dame plays poorly at NC state, they'll lose. Um, but I think that, NC State will have their attention. I, I just wonder if Duke, um, again, the week after Ohio State, didn't go that well for Notre Dame last year. Um, those those are the games where I could see Notre Dame maybe overlooking an opponent. And like Suddenly you're like, oh, wait, what's going on here? It's the fourth quarter when a dogfight. It's 28 straight ACC regular season wins for Notre Dame. Pete, we'll end with this. Obviously, Big Ten country, and I know it's a topic that you get a whole, whole lot. Um what would have to push Notre Dame into the Big Ten? My personal opinion, and educated thanks to you, I don't see it on the horizon very soon. What would have to push Notre Dame into a conference and in all likelihood the Big Ten? Uh, one of two things. It would be either NBC would have to decide, you know what, we, we actually don't want to pay for Notre Dame anymore, um, which is not going to happen. That's you know, That's been going on too long. But I think the, the one that if you're Notre Dame, you're sort of keeping it on the horizon here. It's like, all right, what if the Big Ten and SEC are suddenly like, you know what, we're going to do 10 conference games. Um, and then, you know, maybe they're like, why don't we just do all conference games and keep all that money ourselves? If, if Notre Dame suddenly gets frozen out of scheduling, that would be something that would force maybe their hand. I think financially they'll be okay because NBC will pay up um, the way that they paid up for the Big Ten. But um, I think the next thing is like, all right, what if these leagues get together and sort of like freeze Notre Dame out? I don't think that will happen because there's too much money to be made by scheduling Notre Dame. Um, and these conferences want to make as much money as possible. But um, that's kind of the thing that down the horizon, you're like, all right, well, as long as they have, if they don't have scheduling inventory, can you, does independence really still work for you? And again, their new AD comes from NBC, so you would think that relationship wouldn't yeah. end anytime soon. All right, Pete, no nap when you land, right? Isn't that the biggest key for the jet lag? Mm-hmm. 
You got to power through. You gotta, yeah. You, a Tylenol PM on the way over and then power through when you land. Look at that. Spoken like a true veteran there. Pete, enjoy it. Uh, I love your coverage. Appreciate and it, I'll Pete. I'll stop being a fanboy, but thank you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Anytime. Pete Sampson right there on the Payless Liquors hotline. Andy, when I went over to London in 2016, I made the mistake of the nap when I landed. Oh, did you? Boy, was I done for the day. Yeah. I, I mean, you were so happy there. I you mean, wanna, just, just to mention, a towel. Yeah, I mean, are you, down? Uh, yeah. How are we going to be able to transition to you know? I'm going to shower during Colts one of Eagles. these longer eight o'clock breaks <laughs> if you don't mind. Yes, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go take downstairs. a shower. I, I, I am optimistic. The quarterback thing. I mean, think about all the quarterbacks they've run out there in the last decade. I mean, none of them. You ever were like, oh, Notre Dame's got the best quarterback when they're on the field with other top 10 teams. Is it wrong to do appearance-based radio? Uh, better looking Brady Quinn or Sam Hartman? Mm, you got one who's question. who's got the yeah. beard, kind of the rugged flannel, like he's ready for fall at any time. And then you have, you know, you have Brady Quinn, who is the the beautiful slicked back hair and, the, need, uh, and yeah. everything else. We might need our wives to call about say, that. Should we open the phone lines to our wives to <laughs> yeah. call? They can weigh in. Oh, uh, which concert did she go to? Did you Jonas Brothers? To? Oh, last that's night. it, Jonas Brothers. Jonas Brothers. She said it was outstanding uh, last Great. night. Uh, thank you to Pete Sampson. We'll have Nate Atkins coming up at nine o'clock to talk Colts and Eagles. That joint practice. Again, some of the takeaways. And by the way, shout out to the Colts.com crew, Nate Atkins, who was there, Brett Bensley, Dave Griffiths from Fox 59 and CBS 4. They were kind of our eyes and ears yesterday with the joint session in Philly. From the sounds of it, again, Chippy, um, Zaire Franklin, and Jason Kelsey getting into it. That is a Philly native, by the way, uh, and Zaire Franklin getting into it with, obviously, uh, I would say, an Eagle icon and someone that Shane Steichen is very close to. And Jason Kelsey, uh, other takeaways of notes, um, Shaquille Leonard did not make the trip to Philly. He is in concussion protocol. Anthony Richardson was 4 of 8 yesterday. It sounded like he was under siege, which is probably to be expected considering that tight or that defensive line group and AJ Brown and DeVonte Smith absolutely torched the Colts DB. So from the sounds of it and Nate can confirm this in an hour Andy it sounded like a team that played in the last game of the season and a team <laughs> that checked out by Halloween last year. I mean listen, I it's different than Chicago. Chicago is more in the Colts' weight class last week, right? I mean, we can Sorry, agree. Mark. We can. We can. We can. <laughs> we, okay. we can they agree. But, well, no. I mean, the Bears are. I mean, going to have a better record than the Colts. You would imagine no, this you year, are right? But they're more in the the same stratosphere than the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I saw Steichen smiling with Sirianni. You know, Sirianni went to uh, Sirianni grew up where uh, where I grew up in Western New York for ten years. Oh, really? Yeah, I moved to Southern Indiana when I was ten years old, and it was uh, Western New York, Jamestown, New York. That's where he's from, which leaves me in a terrible predicament okay because you know I, I mean i lived there for i lived there for eight years now he went to the high school that i would not have attended he went to the the, the nicer high school i would have went to the other high school uh if you will but i mean should i i can't like sirianni i should he lived in the same place we probably were in like the same supermarket as each other at some point when we were like eight years old kb but i can't like him he's well, a this damn philadelphia eagle good remember his they antics should. last year after the eagles beat the colts it's that all was, yeah it's all antics that with was sirianni. the week after uh obviously frank reich had gotten fired we had sirianni on at the combine i i'm actually a sirianni fan i i think his emotion is real i think it's welcomed um, I thought those antics were purely 
Frank Reich defending a guy that right. obviously is very close to him, and then it was also an indirect middle finger at the owner's box if Jim Irsay happened to still be in there uh, at that point there. <laughs> glorious uh, eagle that was. That just flew. What's, that was. What's that, that was a glorious What's eagle. that saved as in the, uh, in the drives? Eagle, just eagle. All caps. Um, are you surprised at all? Because, again, I think this differs from last week. Last week, okay, the Bears aren't going to play their starters, so the Colts are going to counter and not play their starters. Now, this week, it sounds like the Eagles will not play their starters tomorrow night. The Colts are playing it. Is this simply like you just need more reps? Because, again, in the preseason, we typically see follow the leader. If one team does something, the other team will do that. I guess the Colts are content with seeing Anthony Richardson against their second unit, which I'm good with. Yeah, I would like to have seen it last week. Yeah, we yelled. But I'm just sh- curious if you know the fall of the leader game. Uh, were you surprised at all that well, that, that wasn't played here? I, I think it's. Uh, I think it's been known that a team like the Eagles just doesn't care about the preseason, and they should not care about the preseason. I mean, they, they really shouldn't. I mean, where they are is different. It's not like, well, we got to get Jalen Hurts out there. He's got to get his reps. Like you know, you know, you know what I'm saying. They're not. They're not saying that in Philly. Different play caller. I. I, I, I don't know. Maybe. I'm grasping it, yeah, here. I mean, I, I just, dude, I got to be honest. You you said it in the open, and it is going to be curious uh, as we go that the one home game, the Colts don't let you see Anthony Richardson, but the but the road games and against the better teams, the Buffalo Bills, who could be in the Super Bowl, that wouldn't surprise anybody. The Philadelphia Eagles, who were a quarter away from winning the Super Bowl last year, uh, not surprising. So yeah, I don't expect the Eagles to play anyone. And we yelled and screamed around here. Uh, everyone did, and rightfully so. And we did, you know, yeah, you got to put him in the game. You got to put Richardson in the game. He's got to get reps. He's got to get reps. He's got to get reps. Well, now he's going to get him. I, what I do mean, you think, a half into the third oh, quarter? I, I mean, I think, listen, you can do the thing. People always say this, coaches. We want him to go into halftime, then come out and get that first drive in, right? So he can uh, know what it feels like in an NFL game to go to the locker room for 10, 15 minutes, come out, and uh, be able to take over in the third quarter. I, I mean, t- yeah, I mean, to me, to me, what's going to be interesting is how Anthony Richardson looks now, right? Because controlled environment, I mean, you have to go back to the Bills game where we were doing the thing of, well, you know, he had the interception, and uh, but he had poise after the interception and everything else. Uh, Mark, I'm going to put you on the spot here. We're trying to incorporate okay, more sound. Okay, I hate to do this. Right, well, okay. I want to I, I want to see if I can be able to play some sound so if my mind goes somewhere, I can just hit it on my computer. Uh-huh. Uh, Anthony Richardson talked about starting this Thursday. He, he and his beautiful, deep voice. By the way, speaking of Anthony Richardson's voice, has anyone tried to interview the brother? Oh, the brother's voice. The, the is brother, fascinating. He was at the, yeah. at the draft. In, in, the, in this area, has anyone. Well, the that, little brother? Yeah, yeah, that needs. Is he like 14, though? Is that uh, yeah, odd? I think he's a freshman at Westfield. <laughs> uh, I, I don't believe I've seen anything on camera with him yet. Well, is that something we should try? Is that odd? Like he'd have to be pulled Boy. out of his homeroom yeah, class? I don't know if I'm going to a school and say, yeah. hey, can you come on the radio? I mean, if you want to do that, Andy, let, go right Okay, ahead. that I'm might be a project. I don't want to get put on I a list. let the new guy handle that one. Hey, I'm the new guy. I'm trying to score a big guest. Can we get Anthony Richardson's brother because we heard him on the NFL Network one wow. time. What time's this lunch got break? got PE and health in third period <laughs> and a jamboree with Noblesville and Zionsville this Saturday morning. Oh, here's Anthony Richardson starting tomorrow. Honestly, I don't really know. You know, uh, getting a start against Buffalo, you know, uh, it was a dream come true. You know, uh, first NFL experience for me. Uh, just playing, you know, uh, going out there first, it was, it was, it was great. Uh, not playing last week, you know, another experience for me. You know, uh, taught me how to be more of a leader on, on the sideline. 
you know, and uh, it taught me also how to get some extra reps in before the game as well. But uh, being able to come play Thursday, you know, I'm excited, you know, to make some plays and, and hopefully get the victory with my team. And again, we'll have Nate Atkins join us here in about an hour to talk more about the takeaways from yesterday. Anthony Richardson reportedly four of eight, uh, kind of a dink and dunk day. Again, under siege a lot. It did sound like there was a moment where Derek Barnett uh, knocked the ball out of Richardson's hands on a pass rush. Richardson you know, kind of got face-to-face with Barnett. But the big fight was the Kenneth Gainwell, who... You know, I don't know, what do you call him? Second, third string running back, yeah. I guess. Oh, yeah, backup running back, yeah. Rotation. Uh, he catches a pass from Jalen Hurts. Zaire Franklin, you know, ramps up the physicality maybe a little bit more than the Eagles would have liked. And from the sound of it, it was like a rhino in the open field, Jason Kelsey <laughs> just sprinting after Zaire Franklin and absolutely blindsiding him. Franklin, not happy at all about it and made that, I thought, pretty clear afterwards. For what it's worth, Jason Kelsey, who again, him and Shane Sykin, extremely close. Uh, Kelsey apologized. said it He was called a, it cheap, yeah. It was a cheap shot. Um, and, and so certainly after the actions, he did apologize for that. Um, Zaire Franklin mentioned after practice, you know, Thursday should be fun. But again, it sounds like the starters for the Eagles will not play. Are you seeing how a lot of these guys or are, are some of these teams are now backing out of the joint practices? Is that it, purely it, due to the fights? Well, or I, like- I mean, I think it's fights, but guys are banged up and everything else. It's just it's like the NFL went from well preseason games. You know, some don't think preseason means anything. And that's how good your team is. So it's like, well, the joint practices, right? That's what we did last week around here. Well, you know, it's OK if Anthony Richardson or anybody else doesn't play because you had two days of these hard practices with the Chicago Bears, which is like great. Uh, and now teams are, are pulling out of that. I just, I, I don't know. I I mean, <laughs> to get ready for an NFL season, um, they, keep, they, they keep trying to like give us stuff. This is how you get ready for an NFL season. And none of it really matters. You know, well, they just don't care. What they've handed the Colts has not worked. Nine straight losses in season openers. The One of the worst records in the month of September in the Chris Ballard era. So clearly it's not working for the Colts. A couple of notes also from yesterday's practice. And again, we'll get back into the Jonathan Taylor conversation. I thought the trade compensation... Um, bit that Anth- or that Albert Breer did yesterday was pretty interesting, pulling some AFC and NFC executives and asking them what they think proper trade value would be for Taylor. We'll touch on that coming up in a bit. Uh, but Mo Ali Cox back to practice. Andy, he kind of falls into the category, and we, we do this every year ahead of roster cuts, which is coming Tuesday afternoon at 4. Who could be the surprise cut? Who's the veteran right. name that has kind of the big cap hit? The most frequent name I hear... <laughs> Is Mo Ali Cox? Is that two years in a row, three years in a row? You guys have done that. We well, at least in la- last year and this year. Yeah, I, I, it probably falls into that, okay. that sort of timeline. One of the unfortunate injury situations that I guess, understandably, we haven't talked about. But if you're going to label kind of a breakout cult for this year, I think a lot of people have pegged Jelani Woods, wow. a second year tight end out of Virginia. Uh, he has been out now for. Boy, it's got to be close to three weeks, if not more than three weeks, with a hamstring injury. So the tight end group, pretty banged up. DeForest Buckner, Ryan Kelly, both back to practice. So good news on that.
KB looked at me, says, "Do you want to? Uh, do you want to tease them for playing the looky right uh-huh. before we got Nate on?" And yeah. so, yes, I'm outing you as the one. Tease the tease, yes, right? So I'm not the guy that does it. But, uh, <laughs> we're hanging out. Wake up call to drivehubler.com studios. Nine o'clock hour. One more hour to go. Reminder coming up at noon. Querying company. We got to play some of his Jeff George sound. I contend, Mark. You may agree with me. You may not. That uh, he may have had a hot take. Dare we say? Jeff did. Yes, in the Indian. Indianapolis sports scene. So uh, we can dive into that as we go. But Nate Atkins was there. He follows the Colts, obviously, for the star. He joins us here on the program, on the fan, on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Nate, haven't met you in person. Great to meet you on the radio. Good morning. Where were you when the fight broke out? And what did you see yesterday in the joint practice? Yeah, good morning. And good to meet you as well, Andy. Uh, Yeah, I'm here in Philly. I was there yesterday obviously and i was kind of i was up sort of elevated there up on the stands kind of between the two fields trying to watch both of them and at the point where the fight actually went down with zaire franklin uh in uh jason kelsey was when they were in this sort of full team setting so kind of all eyes on one spot and really the whole practice had been building towards something happening it was there were just these moments where it, it felt like the Eagles were sort of flexing on the Colts because mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because they felt like it was their their turf or if it was like they were. I think part of it was they were just frankly pounding the Colts in most settings and kind of wanting to talk about it. Like there were these moments where uh, there was a moment where Mo Ali Cox got cut down really hard in the end zone. And, you know, that's his first practice back, but, you know, he just kind of got up, didn't didn't react to it. Colts are doing a good job not reacting to it. There's a moment where an uh, Eagles receiver flexed on Ronnie Harrison right in his face, and, you know, he didn't do anything about it. There's a moment where uh, kind of on the edge of the whistle, uh, Derek Barnett stripped the ball out of Anthony Richardson's hands, and uh, Bernard Ryman kind of ran after him and just shoved a little bit to let him know, like, you're not going to clown on my quarterback, but, that got broken up quickly. So I kept feeling like there were these moments where the the Colts just weren't going to react to it and the Eagles were just going to keep doing it. And then what I noticed was, uh, you know, Zaire Franklin was the one guy that was, he was really laying the wood on uh, running backs out of the backfield in that team setting. And, and literally the play before, he cracks one and I turned to, you know, one of my friends who covers the Eagles and I said, I think a fight's about to go down. <laughs> and the very next play was when, uh, Jalen Hurts throws a dump off to Kenneth Gainwell. He sort of ran outside, and he cut back in. He cut right into Zaire. Zaire was ready for him and just really cracked him down. And that's when Jason Kelsey from the backside just start, just storms in there. And Zaire Franklin's not looking at him. So he Jason Kelsey just ended up full-on running him over and kind of toppling him to the ground. And that's when basically 150 players all kind of converged in the middle there and uh, this was like an hour and a half into practice, and the coaches just realized, like, we got to end it right now. But it was it was just one of those things that was sort of inching closer and closer to that throughout the throughout the day. Get Nate Atkins boots on the ground in Philly. He was at the joint session yesterday, and he's sharing some insight with us now. He's got some observations up on Indy Star's website. Encourage you to check that out. Nate, is it fair to say, and maybe this is more of the politically correct way from Kenneth Gainwell, we've played that audio earlier of we whooped their ass, and that is a direct quote from Kenneth Gainwell. Uh, would you say the politically correct way to describe yesterday's practice would be varsity versus JV? <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it so we don't get too much in trouble. Uh, but yeah, it was 
it was, you know, there were moments when, like I said, they were running the two uh, side-by-side practices. It was a good look for us because they were running directly vertically at us. And I'm tracking it with these Eagles guys. I know we noticed at one point, like it looked like they were running the exact same offense with completely different rosters. You know, at one point the, you know, the Eagles have five pro bowlers on their roster and the Colts at moments had one, uh, depending on whether Ryan and Kelly was in there or Danny Pincher was in there. They had, you know, they have Quentin Nelson, obviously, but Jonathan Taylor was standing off to the side and it, it felt that way the entire time the Colts offense never reached the end zone I don't know that they really came close at all uh the Eagles offense kind of went up and down through the air actually uh really Devontae Smith really had a day on on Daryl Baker Jr and really the Colts just couldn't even really run plays very much because of just how much pressure was immediately in their face they didn't have Wolf Fries out there and Danny Pinter rotating in with Ryan Kelly and so you had Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter just blowing up play after play after play, and Anthony Richardson running for his life. So it felt like they were lucky that they had the non-contact jersey on Richardson, that the plays were getting whistled dead, and and luckily nothing ever. You know, nobody took any shots on Anthony, but uh, you know I, I expected it to be you know somewhat of a mismatch because these teams are just in different places. One of these teams just extended a quarterback at a you know a near record level. Uh, coming off a Super Bowl appearance, the other one has a rookie quarterback and a first-year head coach. But uh, it was it was still really really jarring to see that kind of a mismatch. Uh, I, it's it's been a long time since I've seen that disparity on an NFL field. Yeah, Nate Atkins is with us here from the Indianapolis Star. He'll be in Philly tomorrow night for the preseason finale. And again, was there yesterday watching the joint session. It sounded like from a uh, protection standpoint, there were certainly some issues in front of Anthony Richardson. I guess as much as you can, how would you evaluate Richardson individually? I thought in the Bears practices, you know, it certainly had some moments, but a lot of like check down moments, and, and obviously penalties were a big issue with the offense around him. So, how did he look against a far better defense? It was kind of similar to that second day against the Bears because of the pressure. I give Anthony a lot of credit because he was. He was really competing out there, and I felt like of all players that could have made an excuse when you talked to him, you know, he didn't want to do that at all. He just talked about how much this showed how far he has to go to reach the levels that Jalen Hurts is at and, and the levels the Eagles offense is at and how he thought about hey, how he's got to protect the ball a little bit better on that strip play. Uh, you know, as far as the actual performance, it it wasn't great, and it's, it's kind of hard to imagine it would be under this situation. It, he felt like he was either pressured all the time, so often he would scramble out to the sideline for only a, a couple yards or up the middle for a couple yards. Didn't really get any big runs or something that looked like it would be a big run if they didn't whistle it dead. Um, throwing the ball, I thought he had a couple nice throws across the middle. He had Michael Pittman uh, kind of on a deep dig uh, to beat Darius Slay, and he beat, you know, he had a nice throw to Josh Downs across the middle. So a couple of those when he would just really quickly set and, and throw across the middle were good, but most of the plays were, when, when he did have time to throw, I had him at four of eight, most of the plays were these sort of uh, either deep outs or these crossers outside the numbers, and those have always been the hardest throw, I think, for Anthony as these guys moving east-west outside the numbers, and it was that way again, he just, just would miss these guys uh, either, you know, and then when he would catch it, it would be, ball placement wasn't Perfect. So it's all the stuff that he's been working through this summer, stuff I think that they're going to have to 
live with to a certain degree. Uh, but there were moments there that I, I also think he's impacted by the fact that he just felt rushed. I just thought he kind of didn't take his time to execute some of those throws because it's almost like every time he dropped back, he's just wondering, uh, when is Jalen Carter or, or just Jordan Davis going to be in my face? Yeah, it's not fair the Eagles get Jalen Carter. That's an entirely uh, different gripe that we can get to. Nate Atkins from the Starts a Wake Up Call here, hanging out with you on the fan until 10 o'clock. Uh, where, I mean, if anywhere, uh, where did the Colts hold up yesterday in the practice with the Eagles? So there were some positives. I liked how the wide receivers got after it. I had a clip I put out there of Alec Pierce just toasting uh, James Bradbury on a on a one on one ball. You know, I thought each of the each of the three starting receivers kind of did the thing they're supposed to do. So Alec Pierce won with deep speed. Michael Pittman won with physicality and contested catch, beating Darius Slay, who's a wonderful corner. And then Josh Downs was getting open. You know, immediately we didn't see a lot of production out of that because of everything going on up front but I thought those guys all kind of kind of showed how they can fit together and then really the biggest positive I thought was the return of DeForest Buckner um, was right back out there in team settings at you know next to Grover Stewart in the middle and just messing everything up honestly Zaire Franklin said that's why partly why he felt you know, the, the confidence to trash talk as much as he knew Buckner was going to blow up one of out, of out of every three plays. And that's how he looked. It looked like the two of them in the middle and then in those, with Zaire behind them, like they pretty well shut down a rushing offense that the Eagles have. They did lose Miles Sanders, but they led the league in rushing last year really by a lot. And so that I think you, you can feel really good about is, is when Buckner's out there. This team should be able to stop the run really, really well. Um, Obviously, all that kind of stuff got overshadowed a little bit by by everything else. But um, and honestly, I think I, I know Kevin was talking about this before I came on. But Zaire Franklin, I thought, you know, I, I do think this team needed an edge, especially in this practice. They were really getting pushed around. They were getting flexed on. They didn't have Shaquille Leonard out there. He didn't travel with the team because of concussion protocol. They needed someone to step up and say, kind of knock it off. And it's not something that their rookie quarterback was quite willing to risk or do. They don't want him in those situations. So someone was going to have to do it. And Zaire Franklin decided to do it. And I thought the hit he put on Kenneth Gainwell, I mean, it was a little more than than normally you'd see in these. It's more than you would do to your own teammate. But it was not an illegal hit. It was it was a moment of the, the most competitive moment in practice. And Jason Kelsey even admitted when he came and talked to us later that he was the one who way overreacted. Um, I think he really, in hindsight, thought he should have just sort of got in his face and, and talked about protecting. But you know what he did was a, a, a far you know bigger cheap shot. So really, I thought the way Zaire handled it and, and the way he talked about it after about just sort of stepping up for the the intensity and the work they need to get done. You now I thought he showed a lot of leadership too. Even even though I don't know if. And everyone from afar understands it quite that way, but I actually was pretty impressed. Nate, I want to shift gears a little bit. Again, Nate Atkins from the Stars with us here. Him and Joel A. Erickson do a tremendous job covering the Colts for the Star. Uh, 
You wrote a few weeks ago a, a deep dive on the Jonathan Taylor situation. Uh, I think the title is Jonathan Taylor and the Colts once had a perfect marriage, so how did it get this bad? I thought it was a terrific read at the time, and, and I don't know if we've had the chance to talk with you since. I find it very relevant still today, obviously. But when you did research for that story, was there anything that you found that maybe you had forgotten about that you find especially relevant to where things sit right now as the Colts are granting him permission to seek out a trade? Yeah, I think some of the, the, the biggest things that stood out to me looking back and just piecing it together were, uh, number one, just how how much Jonathan Taylor's body has sort of been sort of a point of contention here or a point of confusion at times between the two sides where – they both realize it has vast potential, obviously, but they have just different investment levels in keeping it healthy, different plans and how to keep it healthy. You know, there's a moment last season, uh, so Jonathan Taylor has a high ankle sprain in week four, misses a game against the Broncos just like four days later, which everyone knew was probably going to happen. But then the next Sunday, you know, he decided that he wasn't ready when the doctors thought he was ready against the Jaguars. And that was sort of the the early seed and how this is going to going to play out. And it wasn't, I don't bring that up to say that like either side was wrong. I think, you know, this just gets hard sometimes when a player is looking out for how personal this is to him and his family and that he cannot afford the type of, you know, really serious injury that sets him back. Whereas the team is going to go through a lot of those and, you know, and they, they'll do what they have to do sometimes because they have to try to win. And I think that set up sort of, the distance that we had between Jonathan Taylor and Jim Mercy on the bus where for one guy, this is business and for one guy, this is personal and they could never see quite through those, even though you have a situation where they're both absolutely obsessed with the kind of central issue, which is the ankle and the body. And even though they came together for a surgery in January and both signed off on it, you know, they're at a point where they never really gained the trust back after last season, uh, you know, so that that always really stood out to me. And then the other thing that, that I just kept coming back to is it felt like the real shift between the two of them happened in a way neither of them planned on, but I think it happened when they drafted Anthony Richardson, is that that was the first moment where they went from seeing Jonathan Taylor as the superhero of this offense to hoping that someone else could come and be that. And I think Jonathan saw this as you know just a positive, bringing in you know, the most athletic quarterback prospect and what he could do for him and what Anthony could do for him. And he was one of the first players to text him uh, upon drafting, and Anthony was excited. But from the Colts' perspective, it was almost like a little bit like Jim Irsay got distracted by a new toy, is that Anthony comes in and reminds him of, you know, the type of abilities he once had in Peyton Manning and Andrew Luck. And, you know, he's all of a sudden the weekend of that draft comparing him to a superhero which is the phrase that they once used for Jonathan Taylor. And all of a sudden, every single thing they did was they, they cared more about, you know, teaching Anthony how to do a five-step drop out of the shotgun than talking contracts with really any player. So Jonathan just sort of got lumped into every player who isn't Anthony Richardson all of a sudden is not the priority. And the timelines just started to really shift because Jonathan, of course, you know, he just gotten married and, March and he was expecting that this would be his summer of really figuring this out in the long term. And the Colts were not even close to that because they were infatuated with building Anthony and then also understanding what kind of timeline does this 21 year old quarterback put us on? Are we close enough to need to sign a running back? Is that 
is that really the place we're in or should we just sort of slow play this out for a couple years and that sort of completely different timeline i think just kind of added to the distance of the two when you know when they finally met on the bus nate atkins with us here on the fan he's on the payless liquors hotline it's a fancy way for me to ask you what do you think happens but percentage chance he gets traded here before the season uh, I do think there's a decent chance that happens. I don't see it coming the way that uh, the Colts have put out there right now uh, through ESPN and, and Fox 59, where they're, they're asking for a first-round pick. That, to me, feels more like you know just setting the bar high and then negotiate it down from there. Uh, I just don't see a team doing that for a, a player who hasn't practiced, who's also running back in this market. But there does come a point where you know there's a deadline next week uh, where – they have to decide on if Jonathan Taylor is going to stay on the pup list or come off of it. If he stays on it, he's got to miss four games. And if you get into that spot, all of a sudden you have a world where maybe Jonathan Taylor, and I don't know what his thought process is, but if he's going to miss four games, you know, he might just, you could get into a risky spot where he could miss up to eight games and still come back and count this as a season. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's like, what's what was the value of any of that? If it can get some value in a trade, if it, if it just becomes you – know, like the thing I keep going back to is that I think the Colts have been fine enough with him not practicing all this while because there's not been anything really tangentially lost. You know, right. Of course, you want to build some things, but there's been no games to lose yet. It's completely different once the season gets here. And you know, there's people like us on the outside who maybe don't think this team is you know, necessarily playing for something huge this year. That is just not the way that veterans on that team are going to think. It's not the way they can think. So if they get to a spot where they're having any games where you know you come up a score short, which happens all the time in this league, even with teams that aren't very good, and you start thinking about what if we had number 28? What if we had an all-pro running back? Why is he not out there? It just becomes a lot to put on you know, at the feet of a first-year head coach and a 21-year-old rookie quarterback. And you have to wonder kind of what, what's the value of going through that. So I think the closer we get to uh, next Tuesday and then certainly September 10th, I think that's the window where if they're going to make a trade, it would happen then. All right, Nate, last one from me. You brought up roster cuts six days away. I think this time of year everyone's like, all right, you know, what's the big name? Who's the big name on the bubble? You know, who's a veteran who could get cut? I'll ask you this. Let's say that on a 1-10 to scale, Quint Nelson is a 10 as a roster lock and backup kicker Lucas Havrasik (laughs) is a 1. Where would you put Mo Cox on that 1-10 to lock scale? Yeah, I think, unfortunately for Mo, I think you'd put him lower uh, than average, probably maybe a four. Really? Um, that low? Mm. Well, it's just been a tough situation. This may turn in the, you know, if he does things, uh, if he plays on Thursday, I don't know that he even will because he's had one practice in weeks now. It's just a tough spot to be in. What helps him is that no one's really, like, gone out and completely taken that job. I thought the the biggest way where he would actually get edged out would be if Drew Ogletree had kind of continued progress and shown enough of the blocking to uh, make them think more about just, just rolling with him. Yeah, Everybody's a, banged up in that room. Everybody's too young. Everyone's banged up, and that's the thing. If, if Jelani Woods isn't back yet, I mean, yeah, they're going to keep Mo'Ally Cox. So it just really depends on where we are and about uh, health-wise in a few days. I would, li- I would think with the amount of time that Jelani Woods has missed for a hamstring injury that they aren't looking at as longer term than, than the preseason. Uh, but what I think Mo Alley Cox is up against is just that 
just just the cost savings of him versus Farrell Brown and it may be just one practice easing Mo Alley back in, but Farrell Brown took almost all the first team snaps yesterday and actually I thought had the best practice I've seen from him yet. Uh, you know, and Mo Mo's trying to catch back up to that. So uh, it's hard to say. Mo's a beloved teammate, and and they do value some level of, of veteran poise in there. So, um, you know, Farrell Brown has has not had the best camp overall. Uh, so so maybe Mo's more of an average five or so, but. I, I don't think it's super high. All right, Nate, last one for me. I have a statement. I have a question. Uh, or I'm going to praise you. Uh, you pull off the Oakleys, the Oakley look in your video on the star. You pull that off well. I'm not sure I could do that. KB, do you think you could do that? Not a big the, sunglasses guy. The, you're not a sunglasses guy. No, nah, I just fight my eyes yeah. naturally. <laughs> your eyes don't get bothered. So that's number one. The Oakleys were glistening there uh, in Philadelphia. Tell me about that animal dung I saw last week Why I thought that was grass clippings, but... That's oh, for another goodness. conversation. Yeah, that we can get into that in the 9.30 segment. Uh, so, yes, the Oakleys were glistening in when I was watching that. And number two, I guess, just to get ready for Thursday, how much do you think Richardson will play? Are we talking a half? Does he come out of halftime and play that first possession in the second half, in the third quarter? What do you think? I'm glad the Oakleys weren't an absolutely terrible look. I had to do something <laughs> after I got LASIK surgery, and there was no way I was going to wear the glasses they gave me. Let me tell you what. So, uh, okay, that wasn't too too bad. Um, That's been life changing surgery, has it not, Nate? You can see everything. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah. yeah, maybe this year I'll actually have good takes, and I won't yeah. play the culture code twelve and five <laughs> uh, like I did last year. Uh, but <laughs> that was rough on my part. Uh, but yeah, Anthony, you know, I he is going to play on Thursday, and I think you know the last time when they did play, the, the few stars they played against the Bears. Was, it was supposed to be a quarter, and it was just about kind of when that drive, the last drive of the first quarter ends. I think that's probably what they'll do here. Uh, kind of depends, I guess, if they feel like they're they're getting enough of the looks where they can give him legitimate reps. Like one of the things I've just noticed between yesterday and the Bears practice so the last two days with Anthony is that, like, like we've talked about, he's not been able to drop back and have the time to really – get these passes off, which is the main thing they're trying to do is build the muscle memory and the technique and the fundamentals of dropback passing on some of the throws that are hard for him. So if they can get that environment, uh, then I, then maybe they'll let it roll a little bit more into the second quarter. And that'll just obviously come down to the offensive line. I, I don't know if the Eagles are going to play many of their starters. So when you drop off from Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis to the backups, that helps. Of course, what also happens is, the red note contact jersey comes off. So now there is a risk of him getting hit, which I think led to why they didn't want to play him against the Bears. So it's all these stuff, all the stuff that's going on. I think it's, we're going to really have a feel for it based on how the first driver two goes. If he's able to get legitimate reps, then I think they'll keep him in. If it's more one of those situations where it feels like he's running for his life, I think they may pull the plug quickly, but I would put it at about, I'd put the over under at about a quarter. And again, sounds like good amount of cold starters will play. Eagles, though, might be the opposite. Uh, any Eagles recommendations? Toss them at Nate Atkins underscores way on Twitter. Nate, great stuff. Boots on the ground. Really appreciate you making time for us on this Wednesday morning and uh, enjoy the rest of your stay in Philly. I will do. I got to find a cheesesteak for tonight, but I will get after it. Boom. <laughs> Thanks, Pat, guys. Pat and Gino's, right? Yeah, that's next on the list.
want to have a I'm kind of disappointed. I'm kind of disappointed it even had my name. I thought there if was it would have just said KB, and... that would have been funnier, right? That would have been good live radio. Hey, to welcome be, Andy. And to be quite honest, I cut it down because the gap was a lot longer in the and Andy part, and I was like, "Well, that's mean. Why is it so long?" You, like, well, you know they- what? I know why. This is you know I'm gonna I'm gonna take fault in this. I said let's have a few that have a pause in case uh, Mark, you want to throw in any ha ha's down the line. Okay. Once once this show gets a bank of sound, uh, you know, like the first day, Kevin said, "I'm thinking about your wife, Andy." Like something like oh. that. Something that we could throw we could throw in the the little gap. Did there. I say that? Yeah, you did say that. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, right, It's the wake up call with KB, an idiot, and Andy <laughs> on 93.5 and 107.5. The fan. I found this interesting. Um, Stephen Holder just re- retweeted Omar Kelly, longtime cover of the Miami Dolphins, and Omar tweets out, the Dolphins need to apply a full court press on the Colts mm-hmm. trying to acquire tailback Jonathan Taylor. Again, I think on paper, Andy, there are reasons for the Dolphins to have legit interest. If you look at their offense, you can make the argument the one missing ingredient is that big play first and second down running back. They're not paying Tua just yet. They're in one of the best divisions in football. There seems like there's a little urgency with Mike McDaniel, which I know we're kind of still early in that tenure, but and I don't know, maybe he's kind of a polarizing guy, and he's certainly a unique cat, so maybe that's where the opinions But they're vary. not paying their quarterback right now. They're, they're, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're in that situation where you got to win with two while you're not paying him anything. But I look at their draft picks for next year, and that's where my worry falls into this. Um, they do not have a third or a fourth rounder for next year. So they've just got the first, second, nothing until the fifth, um, they've got their full bevy in 2025 with that. I think they actually have an additional fifth rounder in 2025. But that's where I am a little skeptical about the Dolphins. I think on paper, there's a lot of reasons to place them as the Vegas favorite for a Jonathan Taylor destination. But again, Andy, I want to stress, I want the draft pick in 2024. I want the extra day two pick to be as early as possible to address the support for Anthony Richardson as early as possible because we have not talked about this a whole lot on the show and again I think the Anthony Richardson Jonathan Taylor storylines Shaquille Leonard have been the reasons why but at left tackle and defensive end at left tackle the Colts have a third round pick going into year two at defensive end they have a first round pick going into year three with unbelievably critically vital important seasons for the future of the franchise in Bernard Ryman and Quiddy Pay. So let's say for some reason you don't hit on both of them. You might need to in next April relook at left tackle. Mm-hmm. Re- I mean, I honestly, well, I think every year you should relook at that, pass rusher. That could be the conversation with Harrison Jr. in a, in a tackle next year. Yeah, Sorry so to interrupt, I, I, but yeah. I still think support at skill, support, you know, Harrison Jr., round one, all of that. Yes, that seemingly checks the box. And I know it's probably premature to be that aggressive in a stance, but I think he's shown enough in college football to have that sort of opinion on him. But I guess what I'm getting at is if you're ranking the premium positions, Andy, it's still not like you have the slam dunk answers at other spots. At wideout, at left tackle, at edge rusher, at corner. You have optimistic views. You have guys that you hope will turn into something. But again, in Ryman for year two, and in pay in year three, it's huge. So that's why I look at trade return for Taylor. 
give me a day two pick and make sure it's in 2024 so I can try and speed up this process as best as possible. Let me kick it your way. Uh, They don't have a third and fourth this year. The fourth they don't have because of the Chubb deal last year uh, with Bradley Chubb. And then... This uh, is the Dolphins. Yeah, the Dolphins. And then the third rounder they don't have because of the tampering stuff. And then we know in 2025 they have the war chest as we called it yesterday of picks. But you don't want to wait to 2025, which I I agree with you. I can try to be a patient person but that's not uh that's not gonna work i don't know to me i mean listen that could be seen as a bad thing it also could be seen as okay give us the better picks okay i mean you're in the afc east you're in a win now mode is miami that desperate to uh, where they would give them that that second i mean are they not they've made two or three big time moves i mean you look at it they're running backs you go to jeff you know you go to jeff wilson all these guys are guys that miss a lot of time are they not i mean Mostert's a fine player but you know last year he did play 16 games but before then 2021 20 18, 17, 16, go all the way back to when he joined the NFL in 2015, KB. He's missing substantial time. Is that our Purdue guy? Mostert? Uh, Yes, yes, he is the Purdue guy. Yes, he is. Purdue had that run for a while. It's like a seemingly close to 20 years where they had a Super Bowl winner. The Purdue football player was on a Super Bowl winner each and every year. Okay, well, there you go. Kind of random. How many can you name? (laughs) Well, I I would say a bunch of defensive linemen. Cliff Averill. Uh, I'm trying to think of insert my other Purdue defensive lineman there. I'm quickly hitting. Well, no, it's okay because I was scared to death looking at you. Like, I hope you don't think I'm going to start listing off all these Purdue guys from 2014. Mike Allstott. Going back. Um, I do want to play this Zaire Franklin sound again. Nate Atkins is going to join us here coming up uh, in a few minutes. Nate was at the Colts and Eagles joint practice yesterday. And my observations are purely going off Nate's observations. So I apologize for kind of speaking for him, but he will get the chance to do that here in a few minutes. Basically what happened towards the end of practice yesterday, Jalen Hurts throws a little check down to Kenneth Gainwell, uh, running back for the Eagles. Zaire Franklin ramps up the physicality to the point where some guys weren't pleased. Jason Kelsey, a long-time, extremely accomplished center for the Eagles, the leader of that football team, takes off in a dead rhino sprint at Zaire Franklin. Jason Kelsey admits after practice a big cheap shot. He apologized for it. Uh, Mark, play that Zaire Franklin audio. This was Zaire Franklin after practice on what he witnessed in that play. Oh, right to it, huh? Uh, I mean, look, man, we was out there competing. Obviously, wanted to, you know, go against a great offense all week. Um, just trying to get better. I mean, to be honest, our practice tempo is our practice tempo. You know, that kind of happens when you joint practice against other organizations. You know, sometimes your speed ain't they speed. People get offended. That's life. So we'll be okay. We got some good work in. We compete on Thursday. Never, never saw Kelsey coming. I guess obviously. Yeah, you know. Uh, I, uh, it's funny, you know, obviously growing up in Philly, watched him play for a long time, a lot of respect for him. Um, talked to him a little bit after we played him last year. You know, thought the OGs would at least look me in the eye before, you know, but it's all good. I'm going to get a chance to look him in the eye on Thursday, so we're going to be okay. <laughs> I love that. Well, you won't see the it. Eagles starters on no. Thursday. I know there's a lot of people that are like, uh, you got to prove yourself before you chirp like that. I'm totally good at Zaire Franklin standing up for himself like that in a verbal manner. I think the Colts need a little bit more of an edge. 
Well, you're in sports talk radio. You're damn right, KB. We like that. That's the kind of stuff that we love. That was courtesy of Brett Bensley, Fox 59, CBS 4. Him and Dave Griffiths both on site as well. Another man who was on site in Philly yesterday, Nate Atkins from the Star. We'll get the lowdown from his boots on the ground reporting uh, here in a few. This is the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy, 93.5, 107.5, The Fan.